those who know me, you know that a daily routine is vital to my health. You know, from my meditations, my prayers, focusing on what I eat, getting my walk and my workout in. But the one thing that's been consistent for five years is I make sure I listen or read two to three minutes of good news a day. Why? There was an amazing study from Harvard from one of the most popular psychology professors, Dr. Tal bin Shahar, that said if you listen or watch two to three minutes of good news a day, you can actually lower your cortisol levels, which reduces inflammation and stress, the things that I needed to do. We are so proud, we are so honored and excited to announce our partnership with the one and only Good News Network. GNN has been number one on Google, Bing, or wherever you search for good news. So do yourself a favor and make GNN.org part of your morning routine to get your daily dose of good news. That was fascinating to me, but after two seasons, I realized I'd only interviewed men in technology and I was facilitating this problem I had seen. I didn't see these female CEOs growing up. It was hard to find them and they weren't willing to put themselves out there. So I put out what I call the Batwoman signal and uh, I said, we're looking for women in tech to have on the show. I would like to interview 50% women in technology and they came. Welcome back, everybody, to Living Good Currency. With Tony and Tobias. We thank you for all of your support, all the comments concerning this journey. Living Good Currency, it takes on its own life with each one of us. So it's very unique, and we appreciate all that you do as you travel with us in this conversation. Tony, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. Another day to be with you. Another day to share what Living Good Currency not only means for us, but to bring someone into this conversation. And talk to them for the first time about what living good currency means, you know, aligning your passions with your purpose to make every day count. And it's so interesting as we continue this journey. Today's special, bro. That it is. That it is. You told me about this wonderful human being, uh, this lady here. And being that I come from a whole nother world, a whole nother place where it takes me to do some research. And when I researched her, it was a few things that I seen immediately that draw me to her, so I am very, very excited to introduce our audience to Jessie Draper, mother of three, founding partner of Hologen Ventures, focused on early stage investing, led by female and co-ed teams, over 70 companies. 70 plus companies in her portfolio already, man. That's Brother, amazing. No, 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 no. Three sons. Three boys, yeah. Youngsters. Yeah, youngsters. Baby boys. Yeah. With the 70 companies. That's right. That's amazing. That is amazing. She is a fourth-generation venture capitalist, as well as creator and host of the Emmy-nominated show, The Valley Girl. I remember that show. That's actually when I met her. She was hosting that show, mm. and we, we had another show that we were doing that we wanted her on. She's been selected as one of the top 10 early-stage female investors by Business Insider and listed as one of the top 50 most influential and connected women in powerful, America. Powerful. Yeah, she's amazing. She has disrupted the way VCs think about investing in women-owned or women-led businesses. That's right. And without further ado, Mrs. Jessie Draper. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the kind intro. Yes. Well, I love that. You know, making those vital investments is not an MF in charity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start off right there. Perfect. And that really brings to life to me my journey. So as I was looking mm -hmm. at Hologen and its creation, filling a void in the tech industry for women CEOs. And I was uh, talking to Tony and I said, brother, inside of, like you said, you've seen the Kelly Clarkson show. And what really stood out to me 
was the power of women when it comes to the lives of not only boys, but the men that find themselves incarcerated. The main support, so we say investment in women, yes, in tech space and in the spaces or environments and where I come from, I, I believe there will be a connection found today inside of our conversation, but that is something that we have done here, Good Currency Studios and Living Good Currency, is how can Tony and I leverage our relationships and leverage our, our energy, our skills, and our experiences to fill those kind of voids. So that's what really resonated with me on how the power of women and when we invest in women whether it's in tech space or, or inner city space or reentry space, as we were going to, that we are reinvesting in ourselves. We are reinvesting in our communities, uh, our country, and the earth itself, which is a feminine soul. We call her Mother Earth. So uh, that was the first thing that I wanted to acknowledge and how. So this is the question before you get to asking me any questions. How did you come to this conclusion that women need to be invested in and we'll say on all levels and it ain't no mf in charity <laughs> um well first of all i am just honored to be here um and you know your story is incredibly inspiring tobias i'm like so uh excited to hear more about it and um I, yeah, you know, I came, it was a roundabout way. Um, growing up, I grew up in Silicon Valley. I um, was in a family of entrepreneurs and investors. And um, I was the first in line. I'm the oldest of four, uh, but I was the first woman. And my mom worked incredibly hard raising four children. But I thought, oh, like, what is a traditional job for a woman? And the only woman I saw was my aunt, who was a successful actress at the time, which is rare and not traditional. But in my little head, that was sort of what I was like, going to do. Um, so I went into entertainment. I was an actress for a couple of years, had some success, and then quickly realized my heart and soul and everything I love is in technology. So I became an entrepreneur and kind of combined these two worlds, created one of the first tech talk shows uh, called The Valley Girl Show, where I was trying to make technology approachable in about 2008. And um, I, I started interviewing any kind of entrepreneurs. Um, and to bring you back, like no one really cared about these entrepreneurs then. Like people didn't care that I got the former CEO of Google on this show. People didn't care. I mean, it was crazy to me because I was like, these guys are doing such incredible things, you know? And um, that was fascinating to me. But after two seasons, I realized I'd only interviewed men in technology and I was facilitating this problem I had seen. Uh, I didn't see these female CEOs growing up. It was hard to find them and they weren't willing to put themselves out there. So I put out what I call the Batwoman signal. And uh, I said, we're looking for women in tech to have on the show. I would like to interview 50% women in technology. Um, and that they came, like I just started getting pitched because there was no place for, especially women in fashion tech and some other things that were just starting out then um, to come on the show. And so some of those companies now have gone public and they were just getting started back then. Um, so I interviewed 50% women, took the show to TV, um, kind of built out a tech news blog, was an entrepreneur. And simultaneously, I realized I could help with this problem of women in the CEO seat uh, and women founders by 
one, they needed funding. And two, they needed exposure. They needed publicity and people needed to see that women were running technology companies too. And so I started, um, uh, you know, sometimes companies would pitch me and I'd say, you're a little early for the show, but I love what you're doing. Um, can I negotiate some sweat equity for getting you media exposure? Can I write you a tiny check? What can I do um, to be a part of this and help you kind of on your way? Um, I created a nice little track record. And then I took that, uh, I kind of decided to set the show aside. It was the time of media where it was just like a broken system. Um, People were still figuring out how to get to digital. New media was sort of the terminology everyone was using. I'm sure it's when Tony and I connected um, more closer to that time. It was just a broken system. Um, I remember you pitching pitching me actually, Tony, and being like, so you just have to pay us a million dollars and you can do our show. I was like, I don't have a million dollars like to do what, what is wrong? Like that was the system, you know? Um, It was like, how do you find money to, produce content and they didn't have the advertising built in quite yet. And now you look at Netflix and people are figuring it out. Um, so it's a better time for that kind of new media opportunity, but I set it aside. Um, at the time I got married, was pregnant with my first kid. And my husband was like, you are writing, booking, producing this show, staying up 24 seven. I got like blackmailed by my producer, all these crazy things happen. And I just, he said, I I hate to be captain obvious, but your investments are actually going really well. Um, and I guess in the back of my head, I, I just felt like a fraud or something. I felt like, could I raise a fund? Like in the back of my head, I thought, Uh, maybe I can, or that's what I know about. That's not what I know how to do. Um, I grew up, you know, interning at startups and things like that, but I just felt like I'm a woman. I don't see any women running funds. So I just kind of crazily went out and pitched maybe 500 potential investors, starting with some of the guests from my show. Um, And some of them invested. And then I had these like interesting names uh, to kind of like carry me through closed, you know, 50 investors and raised my first 10 million. Uh, we've now done a second fund and we manage $50 million of capital. I always like to be like, that's not my money. I have to like make money for other people. <laughs> um, but uh, there we have 70 female founders. I also like to say we have three male CEOs. We make sure there's a woman in the founding team. Um, and uh, and I think to you know bring it back to this article, I'm sorry I swore in the title. I'm sure my grandmother is upset about it. Um, but honestly, it was like out of a moment of frustration where when I was pitching my fund saying we're investing in women in technology, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, um, it's like, you know, I feel bad for women. So I'm going to sort of invest in women that way. Or I'm like, no, 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 this is an opportunity. I mean, I'm getting more deals because women are looking for female investors than you've ever seen. And this is a really exciting underserved opportunity. Something I would like, I'm really proud of also is we picked our bucket and we said women. And because we said women, it went, we started getting companies off of, instead of this traditional sort of like Silicon Valley uh, road where these kids come from Harvard and Stanford, we started getting companies from all across the country, all different backgrounds. We have over 50% minority led companies. um, And we look at age, race, and gender in terms of every founding team. And when you invest in those early stages, that's where you can make the change. Um, And so we're always like living and breathing, um, 
just diversity of age, race, and gender. Um, and so anyway, this, it just came out of a moment of frustration. I had been like pitching and pitching and pitching and people were like laughing at me, literally. Like I had this guy call me to fly out to somewhere in the middle of the country to, uh, see what I was working on because he was interested in investing. And when I, my first slide in my deck said, uh, we're investing in women. He, he basically laughed and like spat his coffee out at me and was like, wait, 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 why would you do that? You, you only invest in women. And I'm like, well, this is a real, it's actually a really great opportunity. And, you know, here's the data, you know, they raise half as much capital. Um, you know, they double the return in a year less time. And there's so much more research now that's actually backing up what I was doing. But when I started, it was like, I mean, people just thought I was crazy. But I think you're doing something good sometimes, like when you, you know, do something a little crazy. That's the theme of the today. That's the theme of today. Think crazy. If, if you're not, if people don't think that you're crazy with your idea, it's probably not worth pursuing. You know, Jesse, I, I did remember meeting you around that time when you were still the Valley Girl. It's not not the Valley Girl show. <laughs> um, but I just, what I appreciate is following you and your journey on Halogen. I get your newsletters, so I get all the updates for however long it's been. And I always just do a quick prayer and just, you know, sort of clap because I'm so in awe of why you're doing what you're doing. And, and just like any success story that you read as an entrepreneur, it's always about what's the problem that you're solving, you know, problem solution, right? And, and yeah. your solution was born out of this problem and frustration that you happen to, to experience and, and being a voice to so many. So there's on paper what we can read, 70 companies, all these amazing accolades that you've done, which you'll never see which is I think the purpose of Good News Network and our merger with Good Currency is that because of why you did what you did and what you continue to do, there are other people investing in women. There are other women that you have that you'll never invest in, that you'll never know about, but because of the actions and the seeds that you put, there's so many other fruits that you're bearing that aren't even gonna be listed on a piece of paper. And that I just wanna say thank you for. And I hope at a moment where you sort of wish you could be doing more, just know, Jesse, that your energy and why you're doing what you're doing has affected so many other people. First of all, that's way too flattering. So thank you. But uh, secondly, I, you know, while this was built out of a moment of frustration, I would like, you know, Tobias, I have a lot of questions for you, oh, please, which will please. like, I'll, I'm sure I'll just like sprinkle in, sprinkle them. but something that is coming out of a moment of frustration for me right now is this insane childcare crisis we're in and over our funds we've been investing in childcare and opportunities within childcare and foster care and this category that we're naming the future of family um and uh i know you have this amazing story that you're wrongly accused and you were incarcerated for 20 plus years how long were you uh, how, how long were you 28 years 28 years and I'm so sorry for that. First of all, that is just, I mean, you have clearly turned it into something incredibly positive. Um, but something I've learned through this childcare journey, it's become this like obsession of mine to learn about the foster care system and learn about childcare and what we're missing. Because I think a good investor is someone who's looking and saying, okay, how do we solve this in the next 10 years? What, do, what companies do I need to invest in to solve childcare? And to solve, like, make sure everyone has affordable childcare, um, all the children are taken care of. Um, I, um, 
I'm familiar with uh, maximum security prisons because I, um, before COVID, I'd love to get back. Um, I would go mentor a lot of the inmates um, through Defy Ventures. I don't know if you're familiar with Defy um, on their companies. And um, I learned that, you know, it's like 70 or 80% of the incarcerated there went through the foster care system. And so I feel like there's this triangle of like, if you want to solve childcare, you need to solve foster care, incarceration, and then you can solve childcare. And I would love your perspective on that because you understand that more than anybody. And I am, that is just, it's so important for me to learn from you. It's no problem. Yeah. First of all, it's something that I noticed very early in my incarcerated experience was that, you know, I've, I've come from, you know, three amazing parents, a father, a mother, and my mother's uh, husband of 40-something years today. So I come from a family of, uh, of sound, deep relationships. Uh, the heir son uh, on both sides of the family. Just to give you a little context of who yeah. I was when I went into the system. So all I understood basically was my experience as a 19 or 20 year old. But what I found very quickly, and I believe the Honorable uh, uh, Jerry Brown, Governor Brown of California, who commuted my sentence, he spoke of 4,000 men that I talked to within a one year time. 4,000 is like uh, a whole prison. Normally it's 4,000 men in an institution. And these are called casual contacts because they're done through the mental health and the medical staff. So this is what I spent my last three to four years doing was just talking to young men, men who've been in the system 20, 30, 40, 50 years at that point, just listening, just listening. And what I found very uh, interesting was that the overwhelming percentage of especially men who were younger men who'd been in 5, 10, 15 years came from dysfunctional or totally broken homes. So Mm -hmm. another thing that I found very interesting, that their mothers were children themselves, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, when they had uh, them, and their siblings. So these are young, uh, I don't like to say women, but these are girls having children. So, uh, mm-hmm. so these are a very common dynamic uh, that I start to, to put together. Another thing is the education. Most felt that it was best for them to get in the street to help defend their mothers from uh, bad relationships and to provide for their younger siblings. So the majority of the incarceration came from impoverishment crimes. The lack of not having, watching your mother who is, but you know, that's just mama. But she might be 15, 16, 17, 20, 21. But to me, that's mama. And mama's not feeling well. That uh, went on to uh, uh, noticing what roles the foster care system uh, came because the foster care kept coming up being institutionalized, whether it was the foster care or youth authority, which is another form of institutionalization before you get to prison. I'm talking about these are hundreds to thousands of young men who gave me their stories on the atrocities that happened inside the system, emotional abuse, 
being tied up, locked in closets. I'm not talking about one or two guys. These are hundreds have confided in me sexual abuse. Uh, I'm talking about just being treated any kind. A lot of their crimes was uh, defending themselves from the, pres- the person or people that were uh, abusing them and neglecting them. So that was a keynote. Another note is about the education, but homelessness. So I said mm-hmm. foster uh, children, uh, the educational system, which has already been called the prison, the school to prison pipeline, that's been established, and the homelessness. All three of those came hand-to-hand along with lack of community, bad diets, our heroes, our mentors, uh, the positive role models or any role models in our life is often my big brother, my big homeboy, the dope dealer inside the community, uh, whatever case uh, 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 might be. Uh, so these are, uh, these are the people who informed me about the needs of young people as we go inside the system. And then please remember, yes, we appreciate uh, Defy and the different organizations that are able to come on specific yards. Uh, but we're talking about 35, 36 institutions. And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of individuals, not speaking on the women's institutions, that once the cases came out that you cannot just beat us and kill us, in which was real big when I went in, 1990s, we were your super predators, you're not human, we can treat you how we want to treat you. So just imagine, this is compounded levels of trauma. And I'm a trauma specialist as well. So you have this personal trauma. That's just what happened to me. Secondary or, or of, of, of assistant trauma is what I've seen in other people, and I've taken that trauma on to myself. Then you have transgenerational. This is cascading trauma. I'm talking about hurt and pain and neglect that's going on for generations. So now I come into the prison, and now I'm not treated as a human being. So, no, so that becomes, um, I was just thinking of one of my dear brothers. His name was Slim. Uh, I met Slim. Uh, he was buried like 16 or 17 years old. And uh, he's uh, a part of a charge right now. He's working with John Legend uh, on these same topics. So, uh, you know, but what made Slim's circumstances was he was a foster child. His mother was in an insane asylum and she was raped by the orderly and had Slim. They took Slim, put him in the system. She was raped again in the same asylum and had the second son. So both of them end up in the same how, uh, 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 foster homes under the guise where we'll keep them together as brothers. But that foster home was a place where Slim was being sexually molested. And so his younger brother became uh, a part, a victim of that same molestation and then Slim killed the person who was molesting his little brother. And he spent, at least when we met him, until the time that he just got out around the same time. I did. So these are the kinds of, of individuals who must feel, if you want to talk about homelessness, you have to be informed by the people who are homeless. You want to talk about foster care system, we have to be informed. You want to talk about mass incarceration and what it has done. We, we have to not only be at the table, we have to be the table. A hundred percent. People like myself. So when you ask me concerning uh, that, uh, that is a very, any institutionalization, Tony often says it, that I said I've met more people imprisoned out here than I met that are being incarcerated. And that is because yeah. we brought into a system that mm-hmm. castigates the other. 
you yeah. know, the first other that was castigated in a, matri- a patriarchic society was the women. The women, the women, the women. You know, they dogged their own women out. Then they dogged their children out. Okay, and then we're going to find some other people. We're going to dog them out and oppress them. So that's the kind of system. And so now we have been thrown aside, totally neglected aside of these communities. So now how do we, and I'm glad that you said it, and never be, uh, you know, yes, grandmama, MFing was, yes, that's how I feel. So when you said it, that's why I keep yeah. saying it. That's how, this is no charity here. When you invest in people, no. when you invest yeah. in people, and you invest good in people, you invest love in people, if I can do it at the age of 20 to uh, for 30 years or 50 years inside of a level four institution under tremendous odds, yeah. then there's no way that Tony and I – cannot create a, a company and a platform connecting mm-hmm. with people like yourself and all the beautiful people and souls that come upon here to scale and to magnify that good. Yeah. So now from here on, it's not just women in tech, it's women up in them communities. So what if we grab those women who are the CEOs yeah. and technology, them powerhouses and annex them and connect them with the women who are on the bottom levels up in these streets who are seeking for more and need the sensitivity that only a woman can give. Yeah. This is how when Tony gives you the accolades that he's giving you, no, those are much needed accolades because your position in what you're about to do is yet to be done. I said, Tony, this is the powerhouse. This is our sister right here. This is the one that we need because you have two women institutions in California. We can just start here. They're about to release thousands of these women back out to to the streets in the next year. What kind of experience? And it's already proven 90% of these women are in there for harming the person that harmed them, their abuser. 60% 60% of them, don't hold me to the statistics, you know, you, you got the data and all that, you can go get it. Or come you got out, the real life. So <laughs> there it is right is, there. They come out of foster care systems. So now yeah. these women have been gone 10, 15, 20 years. They left in the emotional, the social standing as girls. And now they're getting out with the bodies of women, but no experience in this kind of technology and this kind of world that we're moving off into. So your relationship, your understanding, your sensitivity of being a mother of three boys, mm-hmm. that's what impressed me more. And that's what I looked at. You know, my, my, my brother Bomani, he gave me the read out on you, just the energy. And when he said, she's the mother of three boys, then I looked at the picture of him with you with your Apple computer. I said, look at him with them three boys. <laughs> That's the sensitivity that we need uh, from, from wonderful souls as yourself because there's a connection on the soul of the soul is feminine. The heart is feminine. The earth is feminine. We call it mother metaverse. This, when we do not invest in women, we do not invest in our own self. We come out of women. We're, we're, right. we're, we're, we're fashioned and formed from your, 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 your blood, your passion, your essence. So, yes, anybody who laughs and spit coffee in his cup because you want to invest in women, that lets you know how far he is from his own self, his right. own mother, his own wife, his own daughter. So the greater investments, and I say this just in answering this, is in the women and men who are coming out of the institutions, giving us the mm-hmm. kind of platform, networks, resources, funding, and my sister said that exposure. Everything you say, I'm writing it down, funding that exposure that we need to give voice to the atrocities that's been happening for the last 50 years. And you all, when I say you all, not to separate, 
but you are who are mm-hmm. positioned. You and the Tonys mm-hmm. of the world who are positioned make the platforms for people like myself and the other half of our team to rise up and to address these issues. So uh, to answer your first question, uh, that's how I would reply to you just in my experiences, not just generally, but we got literal individuals who I can contact right now who are in position with other people who are adjacent to this kind of concern to bring about the needed change uh, right now in real time. Well, and I think you said so many, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. That was just enlightening for me. And I know so many people, um, I, I think you're so right. Like we need, you know, people who have been through, you know, been incarcerated, who've been through the foster care system to sit at the table and, um, yeah. And how, like, how would you suggest we connect those networks? We should start something right now. That's what we should do. Uh, this is, hold on. Let me just, let me just, ta- let me just tap in a little bit. Let me just, it's a conversation. This is an organic conversation. You know, you can't hold me back. Although I love this. <clears throat> I got to just share something with you that, again, I, I don't want to assume certain listeners have already heard because it depends on what episode they've heard first. Tobias and I met on Christmas Eve 2018 at a funeral. And it, it's a whole other story. It will be actually the interview that we do with each other is our first episode, so we can't wait to share that so everybody gets to listen to it. But I met this man, and he changed my life. By the way, the guy that passed away, both of us had, didn't even know. We were just felt this feeling to go to this funeral. And for the last three years, uh, Jesse, I've been on a different, you know, produce this, do this, have this. We just formed a few months ago a public benefit corporation called Live in Good Currency. Good Currency Studios, sorry. And Living in Currency is podcast and this journal, other things that we're doing is about giving people the proper tools and inspiration to live a better life, to do good for themselves and others daily. And give them not just the inspiration and hope of feel-good stories with our Tied to Good News Network, but actual tools and change so that they have the practical advice and the guidance to live a life worth living today. And so we can go into that later, but so I just want to set the table a little bit of what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing. And you instantly came to mind. I haven't talked to you in years, but I've been following you, but I've been following you. And I said, we need to talk to her. I had no idea that this was your newfound obsession. But I, I energetically, I just assign. There's a few people that we're going to always, this is an ongoing relationship that we'll have, and we'll have you back on as well. But he, he says something so, I mean, there's so many gems that he says, but one of the things that obviously uh, Oprah's uh, very famous for is if you, know, if you do better, if you know better, you do better. And Tobias quickly shattered that for me when he says his famous quote, you do better when you feel better. I said, wow, that's so true. So it's 50% what you put in your mind, 50% what you put in your body, all these things. I mean, one of his stories that you hear a lot about how he decided to, you know, give people hugs or smile when it wasn't popular, when people hadn't been hugged before. So he was applying. So, so no matter, I know I met a lot of amazing people, entrepreneurs, CEOs, investors, you know, practical people solving solutions, but I've never met and this is why we, I'm humbled enough that he thought that I was enough of a partner and equal to come to him and to be our partner. But he's the application of the theories that people preach, right? He is a walking body of the, of the application. So he told me about the reentry. So we're a public benefit corporation. We are, our public benefit is reentry and giving a portion of our profits to help the people, like, well, 
couple of producers behind us are ex-cellmates of his and, and are producers now and giving them chance. But Peter Samuelson, do you know Peter Samuelson? I don't. Okay, I'm going to introduce you to Peter Samuelson. He started a uh, organization with a little-known director named Steven Spielberg called First Star. And First Star, I mean, he's done a bunch of amazing charities. But Peter Samuelson started a company called First Star Nonprofit, I don't know now, it's like six years ago, because he noticed that 90 or 87% of foster care kids would not go to college, right, and then end up homeless or in, in incarceration. And so he created a program starting at UCLA where he would take foster care kids in high school and put them on the campus of UCLA to live and be amongst that energy and those mentors. And it, the pilot program was at UCLA, and now it's in like 12, 13, 14 universities across the country. And they have a 90-something percent graduation from not only high school, but to go to college. Now some of them are engineers, and, and he was on our show. And we were talking about this, these issues about you know, foster care, you can't, they're all interlinked, whether it's foster care, homelessness, imprisonment. And then you start thinking, well, just like investing in women is no effing charity, investing in minorities is no effing charity. Speak. Actually, investing in reentry in these issues is actually not a, shouldn't be a public benefit. It should be the benefit because be right, this is how you solve the underlying foundation so that we all rise. Because, and I'll shut up to let, talk to the man, is... He's pointed out a stat that I've now grown. I've, our, our philosophy is to teach you to focus on personal, professional, and spiritual on a daily basis to align you. And I didn't realize how imprisoned I was in my fears, in my, the way I think, the way the pressures. And that's where I then became united, really, where it's not like this far-off thing I can't imagine, even though as a lawyer I did some work in that. But... It's actually we're all kind of imprisoned in some way or another, and that at least allows us to have that understanding of bond. I may not be a woman, but God rest my mother's soul, I love her, and she was my everything. And so we all have these common bonds, and I think that's where the guards come down, and it becomes part of what it is, why we're doing what we're doing, because we can sympathize with it and we can learn from each other. So it's not just having to get them at the table because it's the token. That's right. Speak. It's getting them at the table because we can prosper. We become better. And that's the key. So I'm going to shut up. Um, brother, uh, I appreciate it. He said something very important. How can a person wrongly convicted uh, for a crime in Compton, California, 1991, when California, Compton had the highest uh, murder rate in the country. How can that person, a young person, a trouble as I might have been or as genius as people might believe me to be, go inside the system and love, smile, and hug? And I'm going to get to your, uh, your question when you said, what are we going to do? I love that question. Normally, it doesn't even come this quick in the podcast. That's let me know, sister. We- I'm like, I'm solutions. I'm like, I want solutions. Listen. Where Tony said, brother, I haven't talked to in a long time. I don't know how this, oh, brother, I know how this one's going to go. Brother, brother, this is my thing, women. So the point is this. No, this is the story of Joseph. He's in the Bible, the Quran, and the, uh, the stories of, of a place called Egypt. And Joseph went through slavery. He went through abuse by his siblings. Uh, he went through a scandal in the president, the governor of the king's house. He found himself in prison. And he did great work inside 
of that setting that prepared him for his life's mission. And when the king asked him, Joseph, come out. There's a nightmare going on. There's a nightmare going on. We need you to, to explain to us, to inform us, to interpret the nightmare that we're having. He said, talk to the women about me. Why did Joseph say that? Because the women know intuitively, spiritually, what is going on within a society, what is going on within humanity. You are the good news. You are the good currency. You are the technology. None of us would be here without you. So when I say my thing is women, I was locked up with men for 30 years. No contact other than just very few visits. My point is this, that I understand what it's going to take, not only to deal with all the problems our earth is having from us destroying and neglecting her, but what our communities, and it's reinvesting in human beings. But how can a young man go inside and transform a whole system just by telling someone, I love you? Come here. Man, my daddy didn't hug me. My mama don't even hug me. That's the point. Your daddy and your mama did not have the capacity to hug you. For one, they probably was not hugged themselves or they was under such atrocities and hurt and pain and addictions that they could. So I'm here to hug you. That became revolutionary. That became a thing. And so people started to feel, and I used to watch Oprah every day because I was one of the only shows that was showing the stuff for Telemundo. And I didn't know how to speak Spanish. So I used to watch Oprah for years. And, you know, she became my messenger. But I had to challenge various notions. And one was when you know better, you do better. No, we know that eating a certain way, but we still do it. We know all these things we know, but we still don't move out on that. Why? Because we have to feel. So you asked me a question, I'm going to answer this question. What, what, what can we do? And before he even said it, I wrote down three of the last people who came to visit us on this conversation. It was our brother, uh, Brother Naveen, who just left hours ago. Master physician, master healing, said the same thing. Brother, what we doing? He's the CEO of Biome. You probably heard of Biome before. Uh, Peter. Oh, Pl- yeah. Yes. Naveen James? Yeah. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We just talked to him this morning. He committed to us to wanted to just bring his Biome into our. Into our and so uh, same thing with, with Peter Samuelson. Brother, let's do it. It's going to take people as ourselves to come together beyond. And this is what this podcast and conversation is about. This is what makes us different. For one, not just me and Tony's relationship, what brings two universes, two whole different worlds together through love and camaraderie and brotherhood and resources and networks. What it also does is whoever Tony is bringing to the table, Jesse Draper, mm-hmm. and whoever I'm bringing to the table, whoever that beautiful or those beautiful souls might be. We come in a common place to invest in each other's humanity. So then Mr. Peter, he can give what he brings to the table. Naveen can bring what he brings. You bring what you bring. I bring the people, the women, the young men, the resources, and my celebrity because I'm connected with the governor's office, the mayor's office. All of our county supervisors are women. Our mayor, most likely, Karen Bass, will be a woman. And so when we are uh, uh, aligning ourselves, like in the story of Joseph, 
the stars are aligning, you are one of those stars. So just your intention to get to doing and pouring uh, yourself into that, uh, that has started the process. So to answer your question, everyone who has come upon uh, this podcast so far, this conversation between us, we're going to take each other on about how we can bring what we bring, and that's good currency. That is the good currency. Women are the vehicles. We're supposed to invest. A man gives his essence and invests in a woman, and a woman takes that essence, and she transforms into three little beautiful boys eating breakfast, whatever y'all was eating, when the mama was on the Apple computer, <laughs> making it happen, tearing down strongholds, <laughs> disrupting the system. Come on now. This is the yeah, good let's currency. It. Come on. So that is so this is what it's gonna take. We can go off into the uh the, the details of it, but uh your intention, the woman's intention, your intention is what already already activated uh the process. But when we feel better, we do better. So let's create uh circumstances and spaces where people can feel better about themselves. Not just people who come from incarcerated space, but as my Tony just said, he was imprisoned before our relationship and now he is being free from various imprisonments. So that means his children, his wife, his brothers, his family. So this is the reentry. This is a reentry movement. Living good currency means that we're living it, sister. We're living it. We're the living proof of it. I told our producer, I said, brother, Tony said, this is the podcast. He, he knows. And I said, no, this is going to be the one. This one right here. Because when we don't know and we claim we don't know, we put ourselves in the best position to learn. Definitely. You came with questions. Can I learn more? I have another question for you because I do feel like I I came here, um, you know, I'm always sort of preaching my women from Mm -hmm. my female soapbox, but I feel like you, I want to just hear from you and coming here. I'm like, I don't, I just want to learn from him. Um, So, you know, you talked a lot about the prison system. Mm -hmm. Um, what are three things three. you would do to change it? Mm. Mm. Three things. I don't have to think, but uh, Tony said, act like I'm writing things down. I didn't say act <laughs> like you're writing things down. <laughs> oh, but uh, I'm actually writing three things. Uh, uh, whatever you're you asking. more me, than anybody I know, bro. Yeah, that's true. But the reason why uh, I don't like this is to be just here for here. I like to take the notes. So me and uh, the brother who helps me with this stuff, can prepare ourselves to engage, you know. So uh, yeah. the three things. First, understand this. This is number one. The system was never designed to re- rehabilitate. The system is not broke. The system is not broke. It's working just as it was designed. Mm. So that's number one. Understand that. So after you sit and you understand that for a minute, now we can go to number two. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. More intelligent people than myself have written big books about mass incarceration, connecting to slavery, the whole nine yards. So there's no need for me to go into that. So now, if the system, not just the penal system, the, ju- the judicial system, the political system, and old Hollywood, where my buddy Tony comes from, if all this it took to create the atrocity of mass incarceration, how do we dismantle that? What must we must do? We we'll take the same system, Hollywood, politicians, the judicial system, and the penal system, and hold them to account. 
How do we hold them to account? We just said it. When they hear Mr. Peter talking and Mr. Jesse talking and Mr. Naveen talking, and they're going to be quiet and let Tobias get to talking, then mm-hmm. it means something. Because uh, cause Mr. Uh, uh, Peter, he got Mr. Spielberg with him. And look at that man who raised $1.7 billion and passed our $1.7 billion. That man revolutionized the foster. He's seeking to revolutionize the foster care system, which he knows has to deal with homelessness and mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Look at the work that Brother Naveen is doing. Look at the work Jesse's in the resources, the network, and the generation of disruptors that she come up out of. So this is number two. Now we come to the table. For one reason, I'm going to say this. I'm going to get to number three. Number two was every time you get a commutation, they wasn't as common that they have been since I got out. Because we're the ones who opened the door for California commutations. You pose to go to the governor and get a handshake and thank him. I sent him a message. I told the next governor, I'm going to come talk to him when I'm ready to explain to him what needs to be done. Thank you for letting me out, but letting me out was only half. The other half, you told me I was incorrigible. You said there was no good in me, and you said it was an atavistic gene, atavism, that said I was a genetic criminal, and you sentenced me to death. So now that I'm out, I'm going to show you what I can do. Now it's about three years now. So when we are coming with the JV, the joint ventures, as all this language told me is teaching me, strategic partners that said, no, mm-hmm. we with him, we're going to pour ourselves towards the problem, the void, or transforming the lies as an investment. That's why I love you. Investment, that was my whole thing. I invested in everyone around me just in case if I don't get out. They will live through me. That's the good currency. They will get out and do good and feel good and spread themselves to the world. So that's number two. Number one, mm-hmm. know that the system is broke. Number two, those of us who are having this conversation, we're going to hold ourselves accountable. I'm going to call Mr. Peter because he said call me. Call Mr. Naveen. Mm-hmm. He said call me. Call yourself and all the rest of them. We're going to come together. We're going to put forth a strategic plan on how we're going to hit the mark. And then all of these public officials and politicians and people who say, Tobias, we're ready to listen. I want to come with the weight of you all and all that you bring to the table. Number three, they have to let us in the prisons now. Pre-entry wasn't a word until I brought it up in the governor's meeting or mayor's meeting, raising money. Pre-entry, they're like, what's that? What does that mean? That means what you just it? said it. Pre-entry means preparing people to re-enter. Preparing oh, pre- oh, pre- people to re-enter. There's re-entry means when, when you get out. Society right, from the pre- points you get yeah. out, from the yeah. points you get out, now you're re-entering. Oh, man, I only went through 30 years of atrocities, madness, neglect, just loneliness, and everything else. So we have to start investing, and I'm saying investing, into people now. We have to get in. Yes, the Vi has a notion, but think about the thousands of men and women who are not a part of that process of even feeling that I can create an invention. Yeah. Think about the million people sitting in their cell. I don't even know how to read. I have low self-esteem. And I had low self-esteem. My mama told me I wasn't going to be shit because my daddy ain't shit. So how about all those people? We have to get in what we call good currency. Is this really simple love. Making yeah. people, uh, giving people the opportunity to feel different about themselves. And with the networks in which 
this conversation, this podcast has, which are notable, it brings forth people like myself, Aaron Showtime Taylor, which invited me to the Kelly Clarkson show. He came on last week. When you bring us together as a team, as a family, locked elbows together, locked arms together, it's unheard of. That is what's disruptive. So number one, you got to understand the system is not broke. It's running as designed. Number two, we got to put all this air and this voice to corporate incorporated movement with all the expertise of people who say they support what me and Tony is doing. And number three, we have to demand that we get inside the institutions now and bring what we're bringing to the people so they'll have hope that they can get out and live a different life than the life that they had before they went in. I'll give you an example, Jesse, and this is why I think anybody listening understands that this is a conversation. This is what's so fun. It's just ongoing, but good currency, it sounds good. It's a living good currency. It sounds good, but it it is going to be launching, hopefully, Valentine's Day, just that's the... That's the day my mom went back to God. It was the day that I actually realized the first concept of time. So good currency is going to be a start off as living good currency is, is going to be a journal. This is not it, but it's, it's going to start as a physical journal. And it gives people the practical guidelines of inspiration, but actually how to tactically schedule your time because time is the most important mm-hmm. currency. It's the only currency we all share. And to help figure out how to do good with your passions, personal, professional, and spiritual. So it's a tactical, and I don't want to spend time right now talking about it, but it is a, it, it's, a, it, it's an application. We went into a side of uh, a prison to meet his co-defendant, uh, Salam, who, God willing, could get out soon. He's been in there over 30 years now. Um, and we, I saw, this is my first time inside that level. I've had clients, but not uh, sitting around. We had tattooed, all I mean, white, ex-white supremacists. You had black, the Mexicans. You had all these people, all it was this dog program that kind of healed them. And they all came to love these dogs. And it was like this healing for the dogs and themselves. And I just went up and talked about good currency, the formula, the process of what we're doing and how my, my brothers, my, people were crying and telling us we've been looking for this. We want to figure out how to trade on good currency, like our good behaviors. And maybe they, we can get, because another time offline, even we can talk about, there's a whole crypto blockchain thing that we're building out with the cr- good currency. We're revolutionizing we're giving people the tagline, do good, earn good. We want to rethink the way people could, could earn and make not just doing good a fun little side thing or thing, no, but actually part of your day, day in, day out. And so yeah. all of a sudden we walked out of this and they're begging for this simple little journal that has like, wow. And so he said, that's the pre-entry. This could help people focus their energies and redesign themselves on good. And then Naveen just, just, I mean, granted, it's not real time when these are being released, but it was talking about how Viome, because I'm using, I, I have Crohn's disease. I sub, The reason why I even came up with good currency was not to create a business, because I was looking for a way to heal when they told me that I have a chronic disease and that it's 50% what I put in my mind and 50% what I put in my body. So I, I went through a year of deep research and came up with my own little formula that happened to be when this man told me, brother, I'm known as a formula man. That's what I did. I helped thousands of men. You heard one of the stories on Kelly Clarkson. He said when he read the yeah. journal, bro, this is the formula, formula of all formulas. Formula, formula, formula. And so we turned down millions of dollars a couple months ago to focus purely on this message. 
and all the machinations that it can be with no money just to do it and start it and see where God has in store for us. So the pre-entry is this. Then Naveen came and says, unexpected, we need to, he said it, can I think big and crazy? We need to get biome into not only pre-entry, but when they get out, people need to know what their te- the technology, it's an amazing system of how to eat better. Because if you eat better, you feel better, right? And so, so when you say these things, so it's not just feel-good inspirational stories. It's actually getting, you want to like, what can we do? It's actually setting up practical technologies and, infra- and, and systems in place that actually could be both a public benefit and what I realized through this whole system, because I'm walking proof of it, and this it? it's a massive commercial worldwide thing because every human being is in prison some way or another. So the tactics that we're using for pre-entry and re-entry are the same tools that anybody could benefit from. So if you want to talk from a capitalistic, you know, conscious capitalism, yes. this is yeah. not a nonprofit. Yeah. So yeah. you can make good money by solving the problem. I, I'm going to say this real quick just for you to give me another question if need be. Uh, the other day I was watching the NFL. Uh, I, I didn't get to see it with the person I was with watching it. And now they have a new fight to help incarcerated people, wrongly convicted, whatever the case might be. I was like, wow. My point of this is it's time. Whenever you have the NFL, the NBA, professional sports teams, uh, thanks to Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, whatever the case might be, that now, sadly, when I came in, it was not socially or even spiritually acceptable to invest in a wretched prisoner. But now it's it's the 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 leverage. You're not even being yeah. socially conscious unless you're not looking to social equity, unless you're not seeking to help those, not as a charity, mm-hmm. a MF and charity, but this is the investments that we need to make if we're going to save humanity. Not just here yeah. in California, spread this uh, national, then uh, throughout humanity. This is what we have to do. Then people who feel better about themselves, we take care of the earth. So, oh, complete. Uh, c- complete. So when we're saying these things, and it's in the relationship of me and Tony, and this is what makes this so beautiful and magical, that uh, we can do this. Because where I might yeah. lack in the business language, he has. Don't discredit yourself. Stop it. Oh, I heard exactly. that. And I don't like exactly. It. Exactly. So where I am. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks where I need my brother at in his specialty <laughs> and gifts. Let's put it like that. We are total package when it comes to not only just bringing life and spirit and heart to the issue, but how we can move right now on addressing uh, the issue. So yeah, I just wanted to offer that before if there's another question. Oh, I, I mean, thank you so much for just telling me all of this. And I just, you need to keep sharing as much as you possibly can about how we solve it. I would love you to have a seat at my table. I would love a seat at your hey, table. I would love it. to figure out how we can do so much more. Um, you know, I do like the, you know, you were speaking about the data earlier and like the data I have collected. It's just, it's so crazy that I am doing this podcast with you guys because really I've been so obsessively. I like, I'm reading every single book, you know, I had done all of the defy ventures stuff. I'm always sort of digging in and that foster care system, like, like, I don't know, they're saying it's 400 to 600,000 children in the United States. If Mm -hmm. we get all of them in safe homes, that's 50% of the homeless off of the street. And it feels like that is one of the hearts, especially at least focusing on childcare. That is one of the hearts of it. And it sounds like you have a lot of 
experience speaking to people about this, but you said, and I've heard something similar, um, but you said you had a loving family. Yes. Like the whole time. And were they visiting you and were they that just leaning in and uh, making sure you felt loved? And uh, for, for one, uh, I had a father, my father. And uh, that's where, you know, I mean, you could talk another time. Uh, my father is a champion in the streets. My father was a part of the, the revolutionary movement of the 60s, fighting for human rights, wow. not civil rights, human rights. Yeah. My father said oh, you yeah. can't be civil to a human and respected as human. So when uh, his I guess comrades were being murdered in the 60s. Uh, his response was to have me. So had me with intention. The point being, throughout the whole 30-year journey, my father was my legal runner. Uh, he went to the courts. He went to the crime scene. Uh, you know, He was at every court hearing uh, and visited me for 30 years to his own physical demise. My father is very ill now due to the pains and lacks. But the point is, I was supported regardless of how I ended up in prison. Uh, two, my mother and my, my dad. My mother's been married, as I said, for 40-something years to a man who raised me as his own. Uh, so having those three, and I had a, a wife who's died as cancer, that's another reason why it's a part of my living amends to fight for women's causes is because a woman who dedicated her life to me the first three years of my incarceration. So I wasn't just drawing uh, this love out of the universe, although I was. Yeah. I had tangible people in communities inside of my life loving and investing in me. I would take that love and that investment in all the forms that it had, and I would give it to the men and women, uh, female COs who dared to listen uh, upon the yard. So let's answer your question. But where uh, we can talk off on uh, the yeah. current system, concerning, yeah. you know, those who are allowed to come in, defy and the other ones, the strengths of that and the weakness of that and how we have to dismantle to raise that back up so it truly benefits a larger groups of people. That's one. And number two, the current problem with this housing, giving people good housing, we have to reimagine that and we have to create the housing spaces mm -hmm. and maybe create them into maybe universities or ashrams or, or a different kind mm -hmm where we can give collective love. So if I can do it on a yard, if I can do it through sports programs, if I can do it in a chapel where Muslims and Christians and, and Buddhists and all these men of different races and nationalities can come together and we can revolutionize yeah. the system and force ourselves up out of there by great numbers now, then there's no way the likes yeah. of us who come on this podcast cannot uh, get the spaces, create the spaces in where we can yeah. bring uh, foster children out and wrap ourselves around them we're their family yeah we're their mothers we're their yeah. fathers we're their uncles we're their mentors and i think that model whether it's a pilot model or not mm -hmm. will be more successful than thinking we're going to put people inside of homes we've tried that for 50 years and we see what it got us so uh that's what i uh, offer at this point until we move I mean, forward in the conversation i love what you said about I love how you say so logically, like the system is doing what it was designed to do. Mm -hmm. It didn't, it was, so we do completely need to redesign the system. I think that's such a, an important piece for everyone to take. I mean, I just, I'm going to just sit with that and think about what it, I mean, obviously it needs to entail, you know, re-entry as you say into society. And what does that mean? I mean, when, when I went to speak to a lot of the inmates at, um, I went to a couple different prisons, but I remember in Kern Valley, mm. 
there were a few who kept saying they wanted to create a society that they could go live at in outside of um, this system. And it was interesting because Defy had given us this guidance that was like, if they're saying that you need to encourage them to really start a business in society, but why would you want to be a part of a society that did this to you? Um, and that, like, I keep thinking about that conversation um, because of course they want to be out of the, like they, they don't want to be a part of this system. Like it's made so many mistakes. I mean, I sit with this, like this one guy I met, he's 63. He's been there since he was, you know, Mm-hmm. 17 or something and he seemed the just like the most thought he was like buddha mm. I was like, how do you get through this you know yes, and he's yes, just yes. learned his lessons so wise i wanted to talk to him forever um and you just such good people are incarcerated and i think we really need to like fix that system and for me and correct me if i'm wrong i do think a focal point should be the children yes. like we need to start there right oh my Yes, uh, you're, you're, and this is where, if you uh, remember uh, the conversation of how we started it, it was speaking on the women and investing in women. And when you invest in the women, you are definitely investing in the children. And, the, and that was the only reason why uh, I said that. Because, yes, uh, especially in the communities, California, uh, where we're at, inner city, that we have to. So it's a multi, I guess, directional, dimensional approach uh, that we have to take all at the same time, but the likes of the individuals, extraordinary individuals who are connected to us through this conversation, uh, you know, we, y'all, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty much just about stating it because we have so much at our disposal, but it has to be outside. And this is what Naveen said. If your dreams are not people calling you crazy, you need to scratch them dreams. You feel me? When you came to the table, people thought you was crazy. Man, spit. It's called, (laughs) what are you talking about? So now look at you. When Tony probably told somebody that me and him is going to be partners and we're going to have, uh, uh, we're going to scale this down. This dude's been gone 30 years. You know, what good can he be to you? So the point of this is, uh, when the likes of us come together, we have a whole person system, and that whole person system starts on the grassroots level. Right now, as me and Tony are here, we have an army led by women out on them streets getting it as we speak, as we speak, dealing with the children, uh, dealing with reentry, pre-entry, dealing with beautifying our communities, making our communities green. All this has to be in the same place. And getting inside of the institutions, connected me to people like yourself. All this has to go on at the same time, and it has to be sustained, and it has to be, uh, uh, like you said, well-funded and exposed, and society is ready. Society is ready. This is the good news. It is. Um, it's interesting The women, I mean, investing in women, what I've learned is in every community, it is um, beneficial. There's a friend of mine uh, worked with um, a program in Africa where they mm. give micro loans, like little loans yes. to communities. Yes. And they give them to the, I'm sure you've heard about this, but they give them to the women in the communities because the men, 
uh, gamble it away or what have you. But if the, the women are all sort of friends, they bug each other to pay it back. And um, it's this whole little system. And it just shows that through and through. So I love that you're saying that that you've come up with that as a solution. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to quote you all the time. <laughs> um, because I think it's, and I will give you credit every time. Oh, um, but I think it's really, really important that more people, I like hearing that from someone else because I'm always peddling my own messaging, no. probably similar to you. Mm. Oh no, it's all good. Uh, I love it. Uh, I have a, a lot more I can share from various different uh, perspectives on how it just makes sense uh, across the board. The reinvestment in our women and girls are a reinvestment in our own selves. And uh, that's what yeah. I push the whole time when it comes to our creativity, when it comes to our disruptive spirits, when it comes to our resiliency, since that's a big topic now, resiliency. Uh, we draw that from yeah. our women. We draw that from our mothers. We draw from Mother Earth, the grandmother, the universe, the metaverse. All these were, you know, uh, giving feminine archetypes for a reason. You know, the heart, right. the human heart is feminine. And you wonder why we die of heart attacks more than anybody else. Because we, uh, we don't guard sacred femininity. That's what I was doing in prison. That's all I was drawing. You know, we have these masculine gods and they're here for judgment and, you know, putting the gravel on you and sending you to hell and all this old crazy stuff. That was what's killing us. So we have to draw off of our own feminine selves. And how do we know that is real when we start investing in women and children? There's more women and children on the earth than anybody else. And when you said about investments, yeah. the numbers have come out. When you invest in women and minorities, we pay back the money more than white males. The numbers is out. Mm-hmm. See, if you want to invest, oh, but yeah. don't invest in a white male. Okay, he's going to spend your money, come back, and you're going to give it to him again. He's going to spend it again. He's going to come back again and spend it again. But they said the best investments, now the data. So they said, Tobias, the data is not out. No, it's out now. If you yeah. want the best investments, it's in minorities. And they said, especially women, African-American women and men who have gone through a certain whatever that is and who are prepared to take advantage of the, uh, the the abundance and generational abundance that is due to us in this time. So uh, I'm excited, and um, uh, I took my notes, and I, I look forward to getting with my crew here. And uh, uh, Jesse, we, we have to have a – I know it's been you. a little over an hour, and these conversations, um, you know, there's no timetable on it, but I think that what is going to be sweet is that we're going into the holidays, or we are in the holidays for some people – um, and we could reflect on what this year meant for us, uh, even though when they listen to it, it'll be already 2022, but in real time, as we speak, um, preparing ourselves for this, um, precious time that we have left and really focusing on doing good together. So I'd love to just invite you back at some point, um, and yeah. offline continue to, um, be your, um, what instrument or whatever else that you need from information, um, connections. Um, but I, I love to bring you on this, this, this ship, uh, with us, um, as we yeah. go and, uh, embark. I mean, we're going after the same goal. So I would love to, to fix this whole, I would love to reinvent the system and hear how you think we need to do that and figure out how we can do that and, you know, change the whole legal structure. So, um, 
I am, I'm just honored to have been here today. Thank you guys so much for having me and please let me know how we can work together and how we can continue this conversation. And please Tobias, keep telling your story to everyone uh, because I think more and more people need to hear that. I can't tell you how many times I have um, talked about, it's actually been an interesting like societal experiment for me where when I was mm. pitching my last fund, we invested in some companies that provide technology to foster care, transportation for the foster care systems. And I started talking to investors, other people like me of high net worth, who like the people who control the majority of the capital in the world. Um, and I started asking them and I said, are you familiar with the foster care system? And then I would just go silent because it was like my own little experiment. None of them, I pitched 500 people. None of them knew a thing about it. And so I'd be like, well, let me tell you about the foster care system. Here's how I learned about it, because these companies I'm working with work with the foster care system. And it's also about education. Yeah. And so telling, you know, telling everyone this story, I think is so incredibly important. So um, at some point, I'd love to actually have you. I have a um, Instagram live that we're doing on childcare. I'd love to have you kind of come talk about your Let's experience do it. Do it. Um, at some point. Jesse, the, the, you just nailed it. So the, there's three prongs to our focus at, at Good Currency Studios. One is to inspire, and that's content. You know, podcasts, documentaries, film, television, get people the education of the message or, or all kinds of fun stuff to get them. Then you have to have the community, and that's where the GNN Good News Network comes in with millions of people going there and creating a, a robust community. And then the third is experiences and creating people, giving people tactical, you know, real-life experiences or um tools to apply so when you have it's sort of a three-pronged approach combining our experiences in life to say this is what we're doing and we don't need to do it all let's go in jv or strategically align with those who can so we can just help lend what we do and put some marketing on this so that the companies that are building these technologies those 500 investors you pitch have heard about it and know yeah. about it so that it becomes conscious capitalism and they know that they can make a lot of money doing good. I think that's, that's, right. that's the right. key is a lot of people just don't know the good or the, or the stats of Gen Z and millennials choosing to buy brands that have this conscious capitalism. And I think it's, you right. know, you, you are at, you are at the epitome of that. And so listen, Jesse, it has been an honor and I can tell you put your host hat on <laughs> because oh, I, I know I have a problem, guys. I just oh, I was so excited it. to talk to you because we I, I need to hear more. I need to understand what it's like and how you change it if we're going to make the change. Right. That's right. That's right. All together. Because it's a, it. it's a whole we all so, have to do it. So we have a, a, a bunch of questions. We're going to have to ask again when you come back on about more about you <laughs> because we didn't get there. But this was an important conversation, which is why we call it a conversation. Uh, but thank you so much, Jesse, for your time. I really appreciate you. Now, this is one thing that I waited for my whole adult life was to be in the situation to make these kind of connections and to be able to execute on them. So, uh, sister, I'm glad to call you sister in this path and in spirit. That uh, We appreciate you, and I was quite excited about uh, meeting you because I knew this connection was going to come about. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. We really appreciate you being here today. You engaged us, and specifically me, on the great work that we're doing in foster care and transforming the system. So I personally look forward to that interaction and the comments that our audience will bring towards the conversation today. I couldn't agree more, Tobias. Thank you so much, Jesse, for the time, energy, and more importantly, your passion that you brought from the moment you got on this mic 
We so appreciate the conversation and moving the needle forward on all the things that you're doing in your work. And it seems like we're going to be working together, uh, creating this momentum. For all those listening, we appreciate your time. We don't take it lightly. And we really, really thank you for all the comments and subscriptions and, and reviews that you're giving us. It really not only touches our heart and fuels us, but actually the comments that you give us help create future conversations. So we appreciate that. And if you want to follow Jesse Draper, you can follow her at, at J-E-S-S-E-D-R-A. P-E-R, for all those entrepreneurs out there, especially female entrepreneurs, follow Halogen Ventures and all the great work they're doing. Maybe, just maybe, one day your company will be backed by Halogen Ventures and Jesse Draper. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. I'm Jesse Draper, CEO of Halogen Ventures. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are Living Good Good Currency. Currency.